maybe I have depression and anxiety was the first time that I ever uh, let the thought enter into my head of like, maybe this is more than just feeling, you know, worried or feeling sad. Welcome to the Hope in Real Life podcast with Jason Gore. Our team is passionate and committed to bringing you more hope in the everyday, real areas of your life. If this conversation and content is valuable for you, please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, and even share. You never know how valuable it could be to share a little bit of hope with someone else. Let's get the conversation started. Well, what's going on, Hope in Real Life family? Thank you all for tuning in with us for this episode of Hope in Real Life. I'm here with, uh, honestly, a good friend of mine, Ben Foote. Uh, comes to us from the Colorado area. I'll let him give a little bit more about him in a moment. But I want to let you know what the episode is about this week. Uh, during season one, we had some time where we talked about spiritual health, mental health, emotional health, and then we asked you as, as our listeners, uh, as our audience, what's a specific topic that you want to hear about? And we heard so much about engaging this idea of anxiety and how it impacts us uh, in, in our world, which is actually something that uh, has impacted me in my life. So I thought, hey, man, let's give this thing a swing. And uh, I know Ben is something, someone who has uh, spent some time challenged in this area yep. of anxiety. And so Ben, uh, a friend, a pastor, a husband, a dad, but more than anything, uh, one of the most normal guys <laughs> <laughs> that I've ever met in my life doesn't pretend to be more than he is, uh, but uh, actually really is a, a great man. But Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I love you, love hope. Uh, so I'm pumped to be out here yeah. for a couple of weeks. Um, nah, you, you summed it up. Great. I'm a yeah. pastor. been a pastor for, I don't know, over 12, 13 years, something like that. Uh, married, three little kids, the whole nine yards, man. Well, let's do this. Uh, why don't we start out, uh, and I'll ask you this question, and then you're probably going to want to just jump right into your story a bit, but what makes you an expert <laughs> in this idea of anxiety and makes you a good guest for other people to listen into this week? Well, I don't think I'm an expert, like, at all. I yeah. just have I just have experience. I have a lot of experience yeah. with um, anxiety, with depression, with mental health, you yeah. know, mood disorders. So I, I'm not no ex expert. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything. But, yeah. Um, but I've lived with it for you know a couple decades. So I've just gained some some experience around it. Yeah. And so to set the stage, I mean, <clears throat> for those of you that don't know Ben, uh, Ben is a guy who I mean he is a pastor, he's a teaching pastor, and one that gets so gets up in front of people on a regular basis and um, speaks with authority, but only on the basis of God's Word, mm -hmm. uh, but stands in front of people. Um, so you, a lot of people would see someone like that and think, okay, this guy's got his life together, he's got to be able to do that, he can stand confidently in front of thousands of people, surely this isn't a guy that struggles with anxiety. Just tell us a little bit about what your journey with anxiety's been like. Oh, geez, man. Um yeah, it's really weird because I'm like a, you know, part of my job is public speaking, which right. is like the t typical, you know, like that's one of your top three fears for most people. It's like, right. that doesn't bother me. Right. Um, but, you know, having a conversation in the grocery store line, I'm like, what the? That yeah. bothers me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, my, I don't, college, freshman year of college was the first time that I ever was like, I don't, I don't maybe I have depression and anxiety. It was the first time that I ever, uh, let the thought enter into my head of like, maybe this is more than just feeling, you know, worry or feeling sadness or whatever. Um, but I didn't tell anybody that for, I'm terrible at math, but for like another decade, man, like I didn't tell, you know, my girlfriend who I then 
became engaged to and then married. And, you know, like I didn't tell Allie for years. I didn't tell anybody. Um, but I first remember thinking I might have this in college. And it was another probably 10 years before I told a soul, man. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you think anxiety is? If we had to put a definition to it, what would you say it is? Well, anxiety is, I, I think, stems from control. So it's feeling out of control. Um, you don't have control of a situation or a scenario. Um, and because of that, you don't know how it's going to impact you because you don't get to manipulate it or control it, which then sends you into the spiral of, you know, worry and fear. I think that's just anxiety and anxiety disorder is like you, you can't fix, you can't stop yourself from knocking that first domino over that leads to this fatalistic thinking, (laughs) you know, that end always ends in like, I'm going to ruin my entire family's life. Yeah. Why? Because my dog peed on my couch this morning. (laughs) And it's like, that makes no sense. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I I don't know. I can't stop it. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. I think, um, so I've wrestled with this a bit, um, recently in the last few years of my life, anxiety. And, and again, let me just say this, cause you said it earlier, you're not a psychiatrist, you're not a psychologist. No. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. So for anyone listening, um, <clears throat> please understand no one with a microphone on this podcast is pretending to be an expert. You've just got a couple guys that have walked through this in their everyday lives and have done their best to cope with it and, um, have learned a little bit along the way, uh, and would willing to do anything we can do to help others find a little bit of hope in the midst of what they might be struggling with. So um, for me, and this isn't anything that I found in a book uh, or or anything like that. I just, sometimes I try to write to help my thoughts get clear on what's actually going on in my life. And one day I wrote down, I feel like I'm stuck in between this tension of where I am right now and the absolute worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I just can't shake it. Mm-hmm. Like I can't shake it. And it doesn't make sense because where I am right now isn't that bad. You said, I think of my dog peed on the floor. I mean, that's yeah, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Not yeah. ideal, mm-hmm. right? But not the end of the world. But but my family is not ruined. But for some reason, whatever that thing is at the end, and I think for different people, it's different things. But I mean, I just can't get away from that tension. And yeah. so then that tension, it builds and it builds and it builds. And the worst, the more that you try to not think about the worst case scenario, like you said, man, once the dominoes start going, it's like, how, how do I stop this thing? Yeah. And it sounds crazy, because yeah. it, but just because it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. right. That's right. And it's okay That's to okay. recognize that. Um, <clears throat> dude, for our listeners who, who like to be in control uh, and, and their anxiety is kind of brought on by that, what, what advice would you give that you've experienced? Maybe you found some success in some areas. Well, I dude, I, you have to be honest about it. Yeah. Um, cause I spent so long not telling anybody about this. Um, and I, I don't, I don't even know if, if I can articulate why, you know, part of it's like, you know, well, I'm a man and I don't want to be display weakness. Um, you know, I've I just got married. I'm having kids. Like I've got to have my stuff together. Right. Yeah. Part of it's that, but, um, I just didn't tell anyone for forever. And so you're like suffering, um, alone yeah. silently, you know? the quiet life of desperation idea. So you got to tell someone, man, you got to have someone in your life who it's like, I I think that the only truly unconditional love you'll ever receive in life is from Jesus. But then you can have some people who are, can get pretty dang close to unconditional love, you know, like you got to go talk to them 
about what you're walking through so that you're not doing it alone. Yeah. But dude, I went through like a decade of self-medicating in like the most unhealthy ways. Yeah. Um, Can yeah. you talk about that? I mean, do you, you feel comfortable talking about that? Uh, Maybe dude, just I, for our listeners, let them know, man, this is like what normal people struggle I'll share with. anything you can. I'd love to hear, man. When you say Cut so. it if you want. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah dude, I... Yeah, to be totally honest, I didn't follow Jesus in college, um, and that's when I started realizing, like, I, I think I have, like, an issue here. Um, dude, this is going to sound weird, um, but I, like, I started by abusing NyQuil, which is so random, you know? And there were, like, also way better drugs available in college. Right, you know? yeah, I was going to say, you're on a college <laughs> campus, you can do better and than I that. And I tried you some were others, poor, but... You were really poor. <laughs> um... Yeah, it started with like with literally with Nyquil, like to help me go to sleep, yeah. you know. Um, but it's got like this weird reaction on me where it keeps me awake f- for the first little bit, and then I then I conk out, you know. Yeah. Um, and dude, I was, it got to the point I was taking it every night. I was taking like five or six of these things every wow. night just to just to go to sleep. Yeah. Wake up the next day feeling awful. Um, I did. I started buying bourbon and hiding it from from people, you know, and. Uh, again, to, like, go to sleep. Yeah. But I didn't want, like, my roommates to see, like, dude, you drink, like, every night, you know? Um, So I hit it, and there was one night where, um, this is in my dorm room, and I had a a bottle of Jack, uh, like, tucked under all my sweaters, like, in a, you know, dress. Again, no offense, but you can do better bourbon than Jack Daniels. (laughs) We're stuck here on the bottom shelf. Not in college. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I had it hidden, you know, and I took it out one night and I'm pouring myself a drink. And I just remember thinking like, dude, being the guy who's hiding bourbon and, and drinking it and telling himself it's just to fall asleep. So I don't know if I'm an alcoholic yet, but like, that's certainly a step down the road towards it, you know? And dude, I don't know how or why I'm so thankful I, I was able to like that night go like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this anymore. I don't I don't like this part of my life right now yeah. and was able to stop. Um if I became an alcoholic, man, I don't I wouldn't be here today, that's yeah. for sure. But yeah. so I was self medicating for so long. That's just two examples. I've yeah. tried everything, man. Yeah. I um <clears throat> I, I can relate to that self medication thing. We I remember the first time I realized um man, there's something going on and it was kind of a long journey for me because I, I I didn't want to admit that I struggled with anxiety mm-hmm. and it, it had a lot to do with what, what you were talking about. Like you feel like you got to have things together. Um, I, I'm trying to make this as, as quick as I can, but I was, so I was serving as uh, working as what we call the role executive pastor mm-hmm. here at Hope. And, uh, and our lead pastor at the time was going on sabbatical. And so, um, but he had been going through some things and, you know, talking about, man, what, when am I going to retire? When not? And, but so he was going on sabbatical on December 24th, going to walk off the stage December 24th, be out for 10 weeks, maybe come back and preach Easter. And uh, we take, uh, we give our staff, because we do like, you know, the whole 27 Christmas services across all of our campuses. So we give our staff, you know, the week off yeah. after Christmas. And so my first day back in the office on a Monday, um, I think five or six people had come by my office by lunchtime and just said, Hey, um, what are you going to do if, uh, our pastor doesn't come back? Um, 
what are you going to do with like the teaching schedule after this certain amount of time if Easter comes and maybe he does preach, but then he wants to take more time off? You know what you're going to do? I mean, question after question. And you know, my answers are like, I've got all the answers. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, listen, God cares more about this church than we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's got an answer. God's going to provide. God always provides. Look at what God's done in the past. He's going to do it again. Right. So I have all the right answers mm -hmm. and I believe them. So then I get home that night and my son asks me if I want to go for a jog. He's 12 years old at the time. I say, sure, sounds good. So I put on a long sleeve shirt and I'm about to walk out of my bedroom and I'm like, I think I'm having trouble breathing. Mm -hmm. And so I call my wife to the back bedroom and she comes back there and, she, and I'm like, it's probably nothing, but I feel like I'm having trouble breathing. She's like, well, it's not like you, but your, your chest doesn't hurt or anything. like. And by the way, if you're just listening, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm not like by most measurements, an unhealthy guy. Right, no one's gonna think. No, I'm, you're a freaking but, but, nature. It's not allowed to go that far. It's like a literal walking so, GI Joe. So I'm like, I, I don't. So I'm like, I don't think this should be right. She says, Well, it's not like your chest hurts or anything like that, right? And I'm like, No, no, my chest doesn't. I think my chest hurts. No, my chest is definitely tight. And so I lay down on the bed and kind of wait like 20 minutes. We uh, end up calling the ambulance. They come. Of course, my blood pressure was up a bit because you know you start getting worried about what's going on. And uh, man, that led me to like, I'm, I've got, to have, I must have a heart condition because mm -hmm. I'm fine. I'm not worried about anything. I'm, I'm a follower of God. I'm a family. I'm a man. I got this thing together. And so I end up getting an EKG. Everything looks good. They send me to get a stress test for the next week. <clears throat> Flying colors. Uh, say, no, 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 you guys are wrong. There's something wrong with my heart, with my chest. I need you guys to figure this out. So then they bring me back in, do an ultrasound of the heart. The cardiologist calls, hey, look, looked at the uh, ultrasound. Looks like everything looks good. I'm like, hey, you guys probably need to go back to college or something because I'm <laughs> telling you, I know I don't feel normal. You need to figure this out. Right. So like, fine, we'll, we'll go all in. They send me into a CAT scan, injectable dye, the whole nine. My cardiologist calls me back in and uh, I'm sitting down. He says, I want you to sit down. I'm like, oh gosh, this is, this is bad. I knew it. I knew it. He said, I want you to sit down because I need you to hear me. He said, your heart looks as good as I thought it would have the first time I met you. You really need to be willing to consider the stressors that are in your life. And you might want to consider if this is anxiety driven. Um, you which, might want to consider going back to school. Yeah. I said, you want to fight me right, right. now. <laughs> and uh, man, at that point, I'm like, when he said stressors, I hadn't really told him everything that was going on. And the first piece that I just mentioned about the lead pass lane, that was like, that was a thing. But there were, we got, this different podcast, different day. There were like two other major things going yeah. on in our life at the moment. It's like, okay, so this could be anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I started walking down a road. Um, but man, it's a real thing that we don't want to admit, but it'll grab holes. But all this, <laughs> that whole story started with the self-medicating thing. Um, man, I, I can imagine, I can remember being in the same place. Like, Hey, it's been probably a few too many nights that the kids have gone to bed and I've just, you know, had a little bourbon and, right. uh, man, maybe I got to get this thing uh, under wraps. Maybe I need to be honest with myself. Yeah. What's just to doing. unwind, just to unwind. Right. You know, just that's unwind. You start telling right. yourself. That's right. How has the, your anxiety or struggle battle with anxiety impacted your life for better or for worse overall? Dude, this is going to sound wild. I really think it's in, in the long term where I'm at yeah. now. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. I still pray constantly for God to take it away. He constantly says, like, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. When you're yeah. weak, I'm strong. Like, yeah. I, but, like, ultimately, in the long run, I think it's affected my life in a 
good way, which sounds insane. It does, but I, I actually wrote down something I was going to say that sounds similar. How, how would you say in a positive way? It makes me constantly reliant on the people around me, on the God I worship. Um, it forces me to be honest and vulnerable. Yeah. Like, dude, when you say at the beginning of this thing, you're the most normal guy I ever met. Like, I really find that honoring because I want to be a pastor who's just a normal dude who's honest and vulnerable, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, if I didn't struggle with either of these things, I think it would be easy for me to play the game of just wearing the mask all the time and having all the right answers all the time. And um, and I, I don't want to be that person. So like, I've in the long run, I've watched... Jesus shaped me into a different person because of these things that I struggle with, depression, and anxiety. Like, and what sounds insane is if I could go back in time to freshman year of college and magically make it disappear. I, I, I honest to God, don't think I, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, your answer is better than mine. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, this is the truth for those that know me well. I, I'm a pretty driven guy. Um, and there is this thing of like, okay, you got to carry yourself a certain way. And I, I don't try, I really don't try to carry myself a certain way to look a certain way to other people as much as um, like sports psychology, almost like the positive self-speak and that type of thing. There's mm -hmm. just, it's just ingrained in me from my years in athletics. That's like, I have to carry myself a certain way and believe a certain narrative um, or else I'm not going to be able to live into what it is that I need to live into, which on on some days is really good, and then on some days terribly unhealthy. Mm. Um, like at some point, David Goggins does break, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mean, he, <laughs> and so I don't know who I, that is, but I'm just confidently, I'm like, yeah, yeah that guy, that, that guy's strong. Yeah, he's so yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, here's what I know. It, I believe God had a plan for me to step into a leadership role for this season of my life in a time where like the whole world is struggling. It seems like with. Uh, anxiety or something like mental health is, is at an all-time high. Our um, the world is changing faster than it ever has yet. Like most Har Harvard Business Review article I read last night says that we're more resistant to change in the workplace than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. But yet the world is changing faster than it's ever changed. So what does that lead to? Stress, anxiety. Everybody's trying to make me change. I don't want to change. Had I not gone through, and if I did not have to, to. I don't want to say deal with because that makes it sound like it goes away or regular. Right. If I didn't have to be aware of or struggle with uh, anxiety on a regular basis, I don't know that I would be able to be as empathetic as mm -hmm. I need to be to sit in the leadership role that I sit in. Mm -hmm. um, I hope some of our staff doesn't hear this and think you're empathetic now. Uh, but <laughs> but but the answer is the answer is yes. I mean, and it de it depends on the day. But man, it really does. It, there's something about recognizing, helping you see, man. This is what's going on in other people's lives, and it, it helps you slow your roll, I guess, mm -hmm. a bit, and yeah. actually recognize, man. There's things that people are dealing with that you need to be aware mm -hmm. of, and you need to take into consideration if you're going to love them well. Mm -hmm. So, but do you and I, we follow, we both follow Jesus, right? right? There's people who don't. Right. So if you don't, I guess get out there and be as strong as you can. But like you and I live in a in a kingdom and a worldview that's centered on um, like servanthood and humility, right. and you only lead by knowing how to follow really well. Right. So it's like really backwards from yeah. the typical cultural view of what a good life looks like. Yeah. So we, 
we we can't lead without understanding our own weaknesses and being vulnerable about them and offering them to other people yeah. and offering them to Jesus. So um, we 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 lose you and I lose if we put on the strong face every day. Yeah, I, I still blows my mind that most pastors feel like they have to. Yeah, I'm like this is literally just like not art. Right. It's the opposite of our job, right. dude. Yeah, that's right. And it's the opposite of hard. It should be easy to act, to actually recognize, hey, this is just who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Right. And we didn't really talk about this in the in the pre-production meeting for this podcast, but what you just said might be one of the most valuable things that our listeners need to hear. There actually is value in admitting your weakness. That's just the gospel, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like literally everything we yeah. believe. Yeah. yeah. So like we... We are not enough, dude. Yeah. And if you don't recognize your brokenness, then you don't recognize you actually need a savior. Right. And so, man, this it just drives us all the more to a place of me. Like, no, we need Jesus all the more. Yeah. And to to and I'm glad you, you mentioned, I mean, some people don't follow Jesus. I know we have listeners that wouldn't consider themselves Christians. Um, man, I'll just tell you, this is why my heart breaks. Cause you just said it. Like, go ahead, be tough, fight your way through it. Man, at some point, something breaks. Yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. But I don't know what other hope you have. Yeah. You so you better pull yourself up by your bootstraps cuz I, yeah. I I go learn Wim Hof breathing or whatever, you know, go take a cold shower in the morning. Um <laughs> Those things are good. I'm guaranteeing you do not- those. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say this, it's not enough. They're not Jesus. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. work, man. Yeah. Not in the long run. Let's do this real real briefly uh, as we get close to wrapping up. Are there any things that you've found and again, like if you struggle with anxiety, like don't think two guys on a podcast are going to be able to necessarily make it go away. You've already said it. Like at first, number one, admit there's a challenge and probably go talk to a professional. I mean, I, I didn't start doing that until later in the game. Our elders here at our church, like, they kind of, it's not like they said you have to, but like it kind of made its way onto mm-hmm. review and like strongly recommended and words like that. And so probably stepped into that a little bit late in the game, but man, so admit there's something Talk to a professional about it for sure. Yeah. But are there any things that you've kind of maybe come across your radar that actually have helps you a bit in the moment, even if it doesn't make it go away? But if it's like, man, it's at a level ten, maybe this brings it down mm-hmm. to a level six. I'm teasing you about the breathing and the cold showers. For me, like I, uh, I have a routine, especially that I do in the morning, um, and then stuff that I do throughout the day that. And we talked about this a little before. It's like it doesn't make my anxiety disappear, right. but I have a better shot at battling it that day if I keep some of these parts of my routine together. Yeah. And then, like on a day that I that I'm I don't because I was lazy or I didn't because you know my schedule got blown up or whatever. Um, I'm just set up for less success. So for me, um, I I wake up, try to get up before my kids are up, um, just to get some time, you know, they're 10, eight and five. So to get some time where I can think without answering a question, like constantly, um, I, you know, for me, I read scripture, I do meditative prayer. This is going to sound like common sense to some people's like breakfast is non-negotiable. Like, dude, my day gets weird if I don't eat something in the morning. So like little stuff like that, I do some breathing techniques when stuff gets really, um, when I start to feel it in in my chest and stuff. I have these little tools that I've picked up. It's just that I think that a lot of those podcasts out there or, or you know, like armchair experts will tell you like, oh man, this is how you make it go away. Right. And it's like, well, that, I don't know. It hasn't gone away for me. Yeah. But I, 
I can set myself up to to battle it a little bit better. Yeah. So having a routine. Um, and then there's some stuff I've read. Dude, John Mark Comer, do, are you familiar yeah, yeah. with it? Um, he's written some great stuff. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry was great for me personally. Garden City, which is a book about Sabbath, which sounds all like spiritually like, ooh, Sabbath. <laughs> but um, he breaks it down in a way that's understandable. And yeah. so I've had some resources like that but i just i feel like i want to be clear with people listening like i'm not saying it makes it go away yeah um it just it kind of helps me face it that day and 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 i'm going to give a couple ideas as well or a couple you know things i've experienced as well but i I do i I want to keep elevating that it's not that it makes it go away and in fact for me my that initial quest once i realized okay maybe it is anxiety the way my mind works is like okay so i'm going to Make it go away. Yeah, conquer it. Yeah. yeah. Well, guess what makes it worse? Mm-hmm. Feeling like you still have something to fix mm-hmm. and that you're not good enough to get it fixed. And it's like, man, you're, you're just like, we're hurting ourselves trying to help ourselves, thinking mm-hmm. that we're going to make this thing go away. There have been some things that have helped. Um, exercise for me helps. If I go on, you know, going on a walk, a brisk walk a little mm-hmm. bit, start breathing deeply on that, that helps. Um, the so, morning walk, man, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get, getting some sunshine, but, but yeah, there's literally, I'm going to get the stats wrong here, but, it, um, it, it's something that, that those that average around hundred and 120 to 150 minutes of exercise a week, uh, are more likely to see, um, reduced levels of anxiety. Doesn't mean it's going to go away, like right. you said, but it's kind of that, like, and if it's at a level 10, it maybe could take it down to a seven or if it's mm-hmm. a seven can take it down to a five. Um, <clears throat> mindfulness is another one. That's this idea of being present, like right in the moment. And uh, I mentioned earlier that for me, anxiety is kind of like the tension between what's going on right now, like where the situation really is and the absolute worst case scenario. Right. <laughs> and so uh, mindfulness is like just bringing yourself the, the, uh, to be completely focused on the present so you see where things are and getting your mind off of how bad things could really be. I'm curious about that. So like, what do you, what do you do? How do you do that? Yeah. So oftentimes uh, for me, I just try to get focused on what it is that I'm doing. And I try to tell myself, hey, this is where the situation is, um, where your mind is going to. You know, you mentioned at the beginning, um, the dog peed on the floor. I'm going to ruin my it family. It was the couch. For, sorry, the couch, the couch. Just Which is be, worse, right? right? It is worse. It's way worse. It's way worse. <laughs> but it's not so bad that your family is going to be ruined forever. No, no, and so it's mindfulness. Hey, the dog peed on the couch. I'm going to clean up the pee off the couch. Right. My family's not ruined forever. You know, I've talked with the therapist who said, so what if you tell yourself best case scenario instead of worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. I'm like, um, what if? That's a really good idea, but I can't think of a scenario better than the way it is right now. So mm-hmm. that makes it really mm-hmm. difficult to do. So for me, it's just taking a look at the situation and dealing just with Just tackle what, what's yeah. in front of you. And a lot of times it's dealing with what you can, impacting mm-hmm. what you can, and trying to let the things that outside of your control that's good. Be outside of your control. Not always easy. And then you mentioned breathing exercises, you know, so I don't need to, to get into that. Dude, another, <laughs> I don't know how much time we have. Are we like out of time? No, you're good. What's up? What do you got? Um, I was just going to say another big thing. I Wade do. says keep going. He's in charge. Okay. <laughs> another big thing is like I'm a big uh, supporter of being a student of your culture. Like, yeah. so don't be passively shaped by the place and, and time that you live in. Like, you should be paying attention to yeah. it. Um. And that's also helped me because, like, do we live in in America in 2023, right. and so we live in a consumerist culture which feeds off dissatisfaction. You know, right. the only way to advertise is to dissatisfy you. Right. And then we live in a news media junket that's f- fueled by fear. Yeah. You know, 
Right. It's like if you, for the people who actually do watch like their hour of local news oh anymore, gosh. it's, dude, the world's ending, the world's right. ending, the world's ending. It's a and recipe it's, for anxiety yeah. and stress. They even have like some of these morning shows or news shows will have like, you know, five minutes called like, it wasn't all bad, right. you know? And it's like, you know, this old lady adopted cats for 20 years and, you know. Or some like, you know, hopeful story. Yeah. Because the rest of it is just like the worst, yeah. the worst case scenario is happening like on your street in your neighborhood. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and then not only that, but we've got like Wade brought it up earlier, but we've got these phones in our pockets that we're addicted to. So it's not even like, yeah, I only engage with advertising or news when I watch TV or when I'm driving and I see a billboard. It's like, dude, no, you engage with it 24-7. Yeah. And we wonder why, like, mental health just went poof. Right. Or I well, guess it would be down. Right. 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 But went. we wonder why. It was like, well, well, dude, we're being constantly inundated with a message of fear and dissatisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think you hit the nail on the head at the end. I'm surprised we're just not talking about the end, but the overstimulation mm -hmm. uh, that we've had, because that is another thing. Like if you just reduce the number of inputs, it's a little bit easier mm -hmm. um, to not feel like things are stacking or stacking or stacking or stacking. And it's wild because it's, it's like that might sound like, you know, oh, wow, that's so profound. And like Jesus has been saying that for 2,000 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> like, yeah, tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Just focus on today. Yeah. Like that's from Christ. Yeah. Wow. And we've got people making, you know, entire podcast about it like they came up with it <laughs> could have just started there could have started, started there and there hey uh ben thanks so much for being on this episode thanks i know you're going to be on another episode uh this season where we actually talk about deconstruction which you mentioned a little bit about being aware of what's going on around you in mm -hmm. your culture certainly something that's going on um hey uh for those of you for our listeners if this topic of anxiety is something that's meaningful to you of course share this content with others who you think need it but if you've got other topics in this area that you'd like us to engage into or different areas of the conversation, please leave us a comment. Let us know. Communicate with us. We'd love to respond. We'd love to make sure that we're working it in. Uh, as we wrap up, Ben, I normally try to ask our guests just one or two questions, and so I'll do one since you're going to be on another episode. Uh, but what are you most, hope, most hopeful for in your life right now? Uh, to answer it quickly, I changed up the way I do ministry. So yeah. I'm not, I, I stepped off the full-time staff at the church that I worked at for, okay. for 12 years, um, just contracted to teach there. Um, and I've been teaching at different churches all throughout the country uh, and getting to see what like God's doing in the big picture, like capital C church in America, yeah. as opposed to just like in my local church that I worked at for 12 years. And the combination of like getting to see what he's up to on a large scale, um, combined with the uh, the ability I've had in the last few months to like connect with my family yeah. in, a, in a deeper cooler way uh has been rad man I don't know if I'll, do, I'll be able to do this forever but if I even did it for just a year like it it's been fantastic so that's awesome well, thanks for sharing that with us you know I yeah. wasn't planning on doing this I, I do feel compelled if anything that you heard in this podcast kind of connected with you specifically around this area of Man, it being okay to recognize my weakness because it's in my weakness where a God that I don't even know would be willing to meet me. And you talked about Jesus and what he's done. Like if that's like, hey, I just want to know more about that. Leave a comment as well. Reach out to us. Someone from our team would love to follow up with you. Um, if it didn't, 
Just listen to the next episode. <laughs> but if it did, we want to be here for you and do everything that we can do to bring you hope in the everyday moments of your life. Look forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hope in Real Life podcast. If this content was valuable for you, don't forget, like, subscribe, share. You never know how important it could be to bring a little hope into someone else's life. Uh, there's even a place here for you to comment. We would love to hear from you and hear your feedback. Until next time, let's keep sharing hope.